Hi everyone, welcome to Behind the Sounds. As always, I'm your host Leah. I'm joined today by an incredible singer-songwriter who has been in the industry for many, many years and just keeps releasing project after project um, and absolutely being more amazing as the years go on. Uh, please welcome to the show, Jill Andrews. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Leah. Glad to be here. It's so lovely to have you. Um, so you have been super busy over the last few years, which is amazing to to look back and think that actually two years of that, we weren't allowed to leave the house. Um, uh, yes. so you were over here in the UK towards the end of last year. Um, how was all that? How's it been being back out on the road and touring again? What's it been like? Um, well, first of all, it was my very first time ever touring in the UK, so it was very exciting for me um, just to go over there and, you know, just have a big adventure and see a lot of new places that I've never been um, and play for all new audiences, too, and in all new venues. It was really, really fun um, and exciting to be back on the road, for sure, you know, because um, I haven't done a lot of touring like many musicians over the pandemic and um felt really good to be just playing in front of live audiences again, where people are sitting in front of you, you know, um, as opposed to, I, I've done a lot of the live stream thing too, which has been fun, but, um, but it's, there's nothing, nothing that can compare to an audience that you can see, you know, and um, they can clap, <laughs> like just the, just the clapping thing is very important. <laughs> yeah. And you can actually hear the atmosphere in a room Whereas I can imagine doing this like via live stream, you're kind of like, are people actually listening? Can people hear yes. me? Are they actually reacting? Yes. Um, is it, obviously it's such an amazing thing that we we have the ability that we've been able to listen to music kind of live over the last year. But what's it like then? Is it kind of, do you feel like you're starting completely again, going back into live music and live rooms and live audiences now? Um, in a way, you know, kind of, because the world is, I, I do feel like the world is a different place um, than the place that I, you know, than it was before the pandemic, for sure. In so many, so many ways, I feel like, um, you know, um, we're kind of struggling to come, come back to where we were. And I think some people, um, their habits have changed. Um, and a lot of people are staying home and, you know, so it's, it's definitely a dip, a different atmosphere, but I will say that, um, people are more excited about seeing live music now than they were before, before it was just kind of a given, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, your you know your favorite musicians would come through town and play and and now it feels more like um I don't know people are more grateful I guess definitely I think it's it's for sure something we've taken for granted over the years just being so lucky to have everyone and of course kind of being able to do that international thing and, and travel over here and play your first shows kind of after all this time um was so great and something that I love finding out what was your first ever kind of live music memory Mm. Um, that I played or that I that I was a part of in any way yeah that you played or or that someone you saw when you were younger that just stuck in mm. your mind that was like that that's my favorite live music memory yeah well my one of my very first live music memories um, that really has stuck with me is um, I had I have a friend um, named Ben 
um, and we were in high school together and he had a band um, called Uncle Boogie. <laughs> and um, they would play, they would always play out. And I just thought that was so cool because I don't think there were, I don't think there were any other like high school bands that I knew of. Um, and I got to sing with them sometimes, but yeah, I just remember going to see them play and just thinking how cool it was that they, I don't know, it seemed like a really grown up thing to be doing. <laughs> and at that time, were you already kind of singing? Did you have an idea that you wanted to be a musician and a songwriter? Or was it just something fun you wanted to kind of hop on with? I was very inspired by all of it. Um, and I think that was a, it was a good push for me, you know, um, them inviting me on stage to sing was definitely really exciting for me. It was something I always looked forward to. Um, and it gave me confidence, you know, I, um, I sang in church choir growing up. Um, and so that was also something that I, I had experienced, you know, being on stage and singing and singing solos and things like that. Um, but that was really the only experience I had. I didn't take singing lessons um, or anything like that. I, I did play a little bit of guitar in high school, but I really started learning how to play and write when I was 19. So it was even after high school. But yeah, I think all of that was in, inspirational for me and kind of led me to it. I love that. And it's it's quite unusual to, that's 19 in a way quite a, a late age to start. But mm -hmm. when you, obviously you're in church choir, but were you a musical child? Like, did you have music playing around you all the time? Did you grow up with it or was it, was it completely all something you discovered later? Um, we didn't play a lot of music in the house, um, I but I had my own boom box, as we called them back in the day, my own little tape player. It was a double cassette tape player, and I could record things off the radio, and I listened to the radio quite a bit, um, and um, I had tapes. I remember the first time I went, the first time I asked my dad, I said, I, I think I need to get my own tape, because my parents had cassette tapes in their car and we'd listen to stuff on the road like when we were on road trips mostly um and so my dad took me to Kmart and um he helped me pick out my first tape which was a Diana Ross um cassette and um that was that was really cool he had seen he and my mom had gone to see um Diana Ross and the Supremes at some point in their younger years so he knew of her and um, I was, so I was, I was uh, listening to that on my boom box a whole lot when I was a kid with my headphones on. And um, I remember bringing that tape into the car. My dad and I were going to like, I don't know, we were running some errands one day and I put the tape in and there was this song where she was doing all this like really heavy sexual breathing <laughs> in one of the songs. And my dad was like, uh, and he turned it off. And it got really awkward for a few minutes. And then he relinquished the tape back to me at some point, And I just kept listening to it. Because, <laughs> I mean, he was the one that picked it out. So, I mean, it's a great first tape to have. I love that. And were you, because I think listening to your music, you can hear a lot of different influences kind of now. But looking back, did you listen to a lot of different styles of music? Or was it the one in particular that you focused on? Back back in um, 
elementary school and middle school and high school, I listened to all kinds of stuff. Um, I listened to Elton John and um, Phil Collins. Um, just the, trying to think of some of the tapes I had. I had Michael Jackson tapes. Um, I loved Mariah Carey, um, Janet Jackson. Gosh, what else? Um, um, I loved John Denver. <laughs> My parents had a John Denver tape that I really loved and um, Bob Dylan. And um, I loved Sheryl Crow, like every song Sheryl Crow came out with when I was in high school, I just ate it up. Um, so yeah, um, and the Indigo Girls, I think I, I learned a lot of good harmony singing from singing along with the Indigo Girls and um, Joni Mitchell. Yeah. So yeah, I guess not every genre, but you know, definitely a few. I, I mean, I loved Nirvana and Pearl Jam in high school. Um, I listened to some rap music. I don't know. It's just like a lot of different phases, I guess. Yeah, I love that. And kind of going forward, obviously, as you say, you were you were 19 when you discovered really that you you liked music and you liked singing was there a, a moment where you were like oh actually this is something I'm pretty good at I'd quite like to do this as a career this is what I'm gonna do is there kind of a moment you look back on and you think that's where I decided that I was gonna try and pursue this I think it was more of just kind of um a feeling it out as opposed to well I guess the way that it started really was um, I had a friend named David Ritchie and David was playing a show downtown in Johnson City, Tennessee, where I was living at the time where I grew up, really. Um, and he asked me to come play a few songs with him. And that's I had already written a few songs at this point. Um, and so David was a very accomplished. He is a very accomplished musician. He's very, very good very good instrumentalist, um, but he didn't write songs. And um, so he wanted me to come sing harmony with him and play a few of the songs um, that I'd written. And so I did that and um, uh, it was it was fun. It was nerve wracking. And then um, uh, our friend Sam Quinn was there and Sam um, saw us play together. And he was like, we should, we should form a band. And so after that, we formed um, my very first band, which was called the Everybody Fields, um, which was like a kind of an, an alternative country sort of band is what we called it. Um, and, um, you know, even, even in doing that, it wasn't like, this is what I'm going to do forever. We decided to play some shows and they went really well. Um, and we started to tour outside of John Johnson City and into like North Carolina and, you know, just kind of the surrounding areas. And um, I started to realize I had a full time job at that point. I was um, a social worker. I worked with um, children and youth at a mental health outpatient facility. Um, and I started to realize at that point that I was getting really busy with the music stuff and um, it was kind of taking a lot of time and I couldn't really, I couldn't do both anymore. And so I decided that I would quit my job and just try the music thing. And so that, I guess that was the biggest moment, you know, where I, where I realized that um, 
the music thing is is going somewhere. And at that point, I had no ties. I had no children. I had no husband. So I had um, a, an apartment and the rent was cheap and I shared it with a friend, you know, so it was an, kind of an easy decision as I remember it, quitting my job, even though I loved it. Was there ever a moment that you thought about quitting the music and keeping your job? Um, no, no, there, there wasn't. I mean, it was, I felt like we were, we had something, you know, I felt like we really had something that people were interested in hearing and seeing. Um, so yeah, it just felt like a natural thing to pursue. Yeah. And did it make it easier having someone else in the same boat, doing it with someone else, being a part of the band um, yes. rather than doing it on your own? Yes, it did. It felt like less of a leap of faith, I guess, you know, because they were they were leaping with me <laughs> um, and we were all just in it together and we all kind of relied on each other in for certain things. So I love that. And it was you had a great few years kind of in a band and then Kind of going forward, when you decided to, to start your solo career and, and release solo EPs, how scary then was that? Did you feel like you were, again, kind of taking that leap of faith again? Very much so, because I I ended up quitting the Everybody Fields in, I think it was 2008 or maybe it was 2009. Um, I was pregnant with my first child and it just wasn't a good fit anymore. It wasn't the way we toured. I just couldn't do it. Um, it just didn't feel healthy for me. Um, and so I, I just kind of, I quit and I had no plan. So I just kind of, um, for about a year, I, um, I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, at this point, And I, was working for a concert promoter, hanging up posters for $50 a week um, around Knoxville. And I was teaching like two or three guitar lessons to like a couple kids and uh, an older friend of mine. And um, it was, you know, it was a period of time where I was a new mom and I was pretty lost honestly. And I didn't know that I, I honestly didn't know if I would make it back to music or not, because I think having the safety net of other band members, it is really helpful. You kind of just get in their, in their flow of things, or they get in yours and you kind of just go together, you know, but when you're on your own, it is, it is definitely, um, it's harder. It's hard to make those big decisions. Um, to kind of pursue it but um anyways that ha that was going on for a while and um I uh I decided to I, I mean I, I had songs that I, I I was some of them I was going to put on the next Everybody Fields album we had we had produced three albums together and when I quit the band, I just ended up taking those songs with me and we never ended up recording another album. And so I record, um, I had a few songs left over and I wrote a few more songs and I decided to um, record an EP, just a solo EP. And that was, 
It was basically because one of my friends, Chad Melton, um, who's still a really good friend of mine, he um, he's a drummer and he we were eating dinner together with a bunch of people one night in Knoxville and he looked at me and he was like, what are you doing? He was like, what, why aren't you playing music? And I kind of thought about it, you know, in the midst of teaching guitar lessons and hanging up other people's show posters at places I used to play. (laughs) And, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. And he was like, let's get together and, and play music. And so I think like the next week I got together with him and he basically brought over, um, he was a drummer, so he brought his drums and he brought a guitar player and a bass player and we just played music for a few hours. And then we ended up um, kind of forming a band and recording an EP. So um, it was, um, yeah, it that was kind of what changed it all for me, honestly, was just having a friend encourage me like hey you're good at this and you need to be doing this yeah and did you feel that prior to him kind of leading you back there did you almost feel like you'd fallen out of love with it in the sense of of leaving a band or you weren't sure what you were doing was it quite nice to have quite a natural path back into it um it was I had fallen out of love with it in some ways yes because um the band that I was in was, it was hard. Um, it was not, it was not an easy place to be. Um, there were a lot of, uh, kind of toxic relationships and things in the band and it just wasn't, there were oftentimes things that were really hard about it. Things that, um, kind of threatened all of our creative journeys and, and just our, emotional health and things like that it was just not it was not a great place to be for um, being a healthy person and um, so that was one of the biggest reasons I left so yeah I I think I was really struggling with what is my next move Um, my parents are both educators um, or at least at that point they were my dad um, was a was a university administrator and my mom was a teacher and they were both like go to grad school you know <laughs> kind of pushing me in that direction and I um, I was just trying to figure out what to do so yeah I think it was it was the way it ended up being the way it was supposed to be it did feel like a natural path back into it and a path that I chose myself and a path that was filled with encouraging people um, people that loved me and I loved them and we loved playing music together and that was very very different yeah that's so lovely to hear because it's you hear so many stories of people kind of being forced into doing projects or things that they don't like particularly when they're making a, a change in their career so it's it's really nice to know that it it just happened how it how it should have done and um, I'm gonna kind of skip forward a few years after you'd kind of gone solo and, and you've, you've done so much on your own and it's been so great um there's a project that you released that I'm so intrigued to talk about and um, because it's it seems that no one's ever done it and that was your 30s project um, yes can you tell me a little bit about that because it was so different to just releasing an album it was kind of this whole era and um, can you talk to me a little bit about how that came about and why you chose to do what you did with that album yes um 
Yeah, so I, all the songs that I wrote for that album were in my 30s. Um, and my 30s were a, it was a tumultuous kind of era. Um, I was in a relationship that was, I was holding on to very desperately. Um, and it was not, it was just not going anywhere. Um, and it was really holding me back. And um, it was very uninspiring to me. And just, it's just not, not good, not good for me at all. Um, but we, um, we had a child together and, um, and I just was very invested, you know, and I'm a, I'm a very loyal person and he is a, he's a great person. It was just a, a really unhealthy period of time, um, in his life. And, um, uh, I just happened to be his partner at that point. Um, and it was, um, so yeah, the songs, are written about that that era, you know, of just trying to figure out what to do. And um, I was very resentful and um, uh, yeah, just, yeah. So it, basically it's it's kind of split in, in, to, in half. Like the first part of the record is about the kind of hanging on and also the fallout of that relationship. And then the latter half is more about um, coming to terms with myself after the, the breakup and just coming to terms with myself, period, um, as an individual person outside of that relationship. And, um, and also, um later on in my 30s finding another another relationship another love um who whom I married um my husband Jared and so yeah it um I also wrote a book that corresponds with the album so on the um on the album, there's 13 songs and the book has 13 stories. Um, they're very, very vulnerable personal stories that I wrote about my life that correspond with the songs. So, It's such a, a fascinating thing to to write a book with it because obviously writing and music come hand in hand, you know, there wouldn't be songs without lyrics. And I think often when there's such a, a you know, a deeply personal project that, that fans get to listen to and it's a, people that are big fans of lyrics in particular you always want to dive deeper so having that aspect of, of a book as well gives so much um was it quite scary to kind of be like here's a really personal album but here's actually something else that's even more deep and personal as well how scary was that to put out into the world it still is terrifying to me to be honest I mean <laughs> the album is not I feel like I've done that my whole career. I've been very vulnerable in my music. Um, and it's all, it's mostly all been very personal. Um, but with music, you can hide, you know, you can hide behind your melody. You can hide behind the rhythm. You can hide behind the metaphor. Um, and the book is not that way. You know, it's just, this is what was happening. And this was my life and it I 
it's it's very 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 vulnerable and very personal and um but it's the truth you know I mean that was just what was what was going on and what was inspiring the songs I love that and as I say like as a fan of of music and lyrics I think it's such an amazing thing to have and actually I wish more people did it um because it, it's it's so good to just understand more um but as you say what what an amazing thing to do and and being completely transparent with it instead of yeah. just as you say kind of hiding behind the music which I don't think a lot of people do but as you say it's easy to do um and over the the kind of course of of since then you've you've done so many projects um and you've had more EPs and I know you're working on a new album but one thing I'm really intrigued to talk about is you've had music featured on many TV shows and TV series. And as someone like me who is a huge fan of kind of watching TV and is a huge music fan as well, I don't think many people realise how much of an impact music has in these in these shows. Um, one in particular we'll talk about is, is Grey's Anatomy, having a song on that, which is a, a TV show that the music of that show has become part of its phenomenon. How do you go about kind of getting a song on that show and on any TV show for that matter, you've done this as us, you've had a hit for Nashville. Um, What's that experience like? Is it, is it completely different than just releasing a song on an album? Um, Well, the process basically is, um, I have a representative who pitches my songs to, you know, different television shows and movies that are looking for specific types of songs. Um, so that's normally how it works is I have a, a person that that is kind of looking out for me and, you know, knows what shows are looking for what kind of songs. Um, it is, um, I completely agree. I think that music is, it's so impactful. Um, on the screen it's so it can make or break a scene like just it really can because it adds so much emotion or anticipation um whatever it's looking for you know whatever the scene needs there's some song out there that that can provide that and um uh that has been a really cool addition to my career um having songs find their way to you know to help helping kind of represent a moment in a in a show or you know a movie or whatever and um that that's been something that I never anticipated um you know when I was in the everybody feels we were not that was not part of our our career makeup at all we were just we were touring and that was kind of the only way to make money um and so yeah it's it's awesome um I'm really happy that that I can be you know that my songs have have made their way to Grey's Anatomy and and other cool shows like that it's been been really cool and it's always the thing that my mom is like oh that's so you know I'm gonna tell my I'm gonna tell the whole family you know so it's like one of those validating moments you know when your parents are like you're doing it (laughs) I love that do you find as well because you know it's it's such a big platform you know that Mm -hmm. people will you you're gaining kind of more fans and people that may not have discovered your music other than listening to this and thinking oh my gosh that song that was in that show at that point 
who who's this by have you found that your your kind of fan base or just people that are listening to your music has grown from doing things like that definitely definitely yeah absolutely um yeah because people um those shows have their own playlists um that people listen to like Grey's Anatomy has a huge Grey's Anatomy playlist because you're right I mean the music has the music is a huge part of that show um and uh and then people put it on their own personal playlists and things like that and it kind of just spreads you know um so that's been really really important for my my career and you know having people listening to my music on the streaming platforms and you know things like that it's been really really cool it's so great um and am I right in saying that you are releasing new music this year you are working on a brand new project what can you tell us if anything yes um I am and I'm very very excited about it um I can tell you that it's going to have 10 songs so it's a full-length album um and um it is um I think a lot of people, you know, during the pandemic and everything have kind of, it's just shifted a lot of the way people think and the way they view their past and their future and their present. And for me, I think this, you know, the past few years um, have just really made me think a lot about my childhood and um, things like that. So it's kind of, like that era that I grew up in was like the 80s and the 90s. I was born in 1980. So, um, and I think that uh, I'm really, I think it's kind of a study on just looking back and and comparing now to then and um, thinking of my own, um, my own kids and just how different, how different everything is now, you know, with uh, technology and everything. And so, yeah, I think it's um it's it's a little bit of just like longing for the past the record is and um um and also just kind of feeling like a little bit of a stranger stranger in a strange land <laughs> because um the technology stuff is I just don't really fit in with most of it honestly. Um my the way my brain works, my brain is always scrambled by multitasking and um too much technology and things so um yeah it's um I'm really really excited about the album it's a little bit of a shift um in I don't know like a little bit more of a I guess the pop realm but not not so much that it will alienate anyone or anything like that just there's there's um there's a wider soundscape on this record I love that and I love the fact that you are saying about kind of looking back because it's something that everyone kind of does but no one really talks about the fact that actually that's going to be the subject of my album and things um, and yeah. it sounds like an absolute great project I'm so looking forward to hearing it um, I have three questions for you that are all around threes that I ask everyone at the end of every episode um, they are quite tough questions so I apologize for putting you on the spot um, but first things that come to your mind would be the best answers um, so firstly, are you able to name three songs that you wish you'd have written? Mm. Jolene <laughs> by Dolly Parton. I think that song is amazing. I love 
the way she plays guitar on that song. Um, um, this song um, by U2 called One, I love that song. I think lyrically it's just amazing. Um, and these are tough questions, Leah. I like to challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Um, the Only Living Boy in New York um, by Paul Simon. That might have been Simon and Garfunkel. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, don't quote me, but you're totally quoting me. <laughs> so, like, we, we don't judge. Um, they are great choices. Really, like, a, a wide variety of it. I love that. Um, what about It Gets Tougher? Sorry. Three albums you couldn't live without. Um, Evening Machines by Gregory Allen Isakoff. Uh, Blue by Joni Mitchell. And um, August and everything after by the County Crows. Great, great choices. Um, and then finally, three people, they can be writers, singers, producers, whomever, that you haven't yet worked with that you'd really love to work with one day. Bucket list. Mm. Writers, singers, and producers, you said? Whoever you like. Musicians, artists, writers. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, hmm. <clears throat> I would say um, Justin Vernon would be one of my, um, in any way, I would love to work with him as a writer or producer. Um, um, Anais Mitchell, um, she's a, do you know her? She's a singer songwriter. I think she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and who else? Let's see, Blake Mills. Um, maybe as a producer or musician or songwriter. <laughs> it's great. Uh, we also use this as like a manifesting session, so we'll tag away. Um, oh, nice. You, oh, cool. We will see what they can do. Um, but it has been so great to chat. I cannot wait to hear the new music. Um, and Thanks, thank you so much yeah. for sharing the stories with us. Um, and and you know, as you say. Music is a deeply personal thing and love to hear kind of the stories behind all the projects. Um, I know you've been super busy touring and I'm sure next year is going to be a super busy year for you as well um, with so much new music. So thank you for sharing and I cannot wait to hear and hopefully we'll, we'll see you back in the UK again very, very soon and we'll be able to chat maybe in person um, with some more music as well. That sounds great. Thank you so much for spending the time.